0: Welcome to Medical Minefield, the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I am Barney Kalman.
1: And I'm Eve Simmons.
0: And we're health journalists, which means we spend our lives asking tough questions to top experts so you don't have to.
1: This week we're asking why so many women are watching porn and is it rotting their brains?
0: As ever, we'd like to know what you think. So if you have a question or a suggestion for us at Medical Minefield, tweet us at MedMinefield. Well, it'd be fair to say, Eve, that porn is everywhere these days. It's on the telly, it's it's on social media, you can't go down the gym without someone... You know, it's in the supermarket. Seeing, it's in the supermarkets. You know, uh, people taking pictures of themselves exercising, wearing barely nothing at all. Yes. which you've written about, raged against.
1: Yeah, I have a problem with all this, don't I? <laughs> Prudish. Um, probably a bit, but no, I think that there's something really off-putting about the fact that we seem to be uh, transmitting this message that women need to be sexual and sexualized in order to have any worth, and I think that's really damaging.
0: What do you prefer to do then?
1: I prefer to get into my pyjamas and make a hot chocolate and do wholesome things like knitting and baking.
0: <laughs> well, leaving you with that image, there, there seems to be, uh, there's an effect happening that you've noticed that you've been reporting on this week. That rising numbers of women are watching Not just the kind of titillating things you might see on Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is, but the real deal, adult material, Mm. uh, explicit content, porn pornography.
1: Yeah, gone are the days of erotica or or perhaps erotica is still existing but just alongside this. But what we are seeing is that women are no different to men in their desire to watch quite extreme content online uh, where it is free and very widely available and uh, interestingly some of the data from some of the most popular porn websites show that, that women are actually searching for things like rough sex hardcore sex more than men which I found particularly striking.
0: So comparatively how many people who use these sites are men and how many are women?
1: So roughly a third of users of Pornhub for instance which is probably the most popular site are women.
0: And that number's been rising?
1: It has been so that's I think slightly higher than in 2019 and I think much much higher than 2017 so um, it's kind of creeping up
0: well look just to give the counterpoint is this not a sign of liberation is this not women joining you know what men have been up to for many years and and now they're you know exploring their sexuality in a healthy way that it's it's you know fantasy and it should be encouraged etc etc liberated women etc
1: no (laughs) in a word why not Because the videos that are and images that are on these websites, on a whole, do not portray women in a positive light. A lot of these, this content involves aggression towards women, violence towards women and not healthy sex and healthy relationships. But hang
0: on, you said that women are watching it. So what's, you know, how does that work?
1: There is obviously something to be said in the fact that women are soaking up these messages that this is an acceptable way to have sex. Where do these messages come from? Well, a lot of them think, unfortunately, that this is what their partner likes and this is what their partner's going to want. And in order to be sexy and to be sexually desirable, they have to be submissive and perhaps engage in behaviours that might not be pleasurable or in any way enjoyable for them. But because they're in this world that's teaching them that that's what they must do, you almost sort of start to believe that that's going to be great and let's try it.
0: I mean, the sex experts that you've spoken to this week, the female health and sex experts, say they're seeing rising numbers of problems that they think are linked to women consuming porn.
1: Yeah, so there seems to be kind of two problems going on and different experts are seeing different things depending on which kind of sphere they sit in. But you have on one hand women who are incredibly anxious and worried about their sex lives. And for many of them, this anxiety manifests in a physical form. So they're unable to have sex because they they clam up, basically, because they're so terribly anxious. And experts are saying that that is linked to women who are watching this stuff or being fed it indirectly through partners who are watching this stuff and are comparing themselves to what they see, be it the way that the models look, the way that they are presented and also the way their genitalia is presented, and also the way that they perform sexually So if women aren't able to, their bodies aren't able to do certain things that the women's bodies in porn are able to do, they think that they're abnormal. They think there's something wrong with them. And this all just causes them to overthink sex, basically, which makes the act of it more difficult. And then on the other side, you have women who are engaging more and more in pornography and what happens is they become desensitized to what they're seeing. Oh, similar
0: to what they say happens to young men. Who, exactly who watch the too same. Much.
1: And interestingly, studies have shown that what happens in the brain isn't much different between the genders. So you have this situation where women are becoming desensitized, so they end up watching more extreme stuff and then they're unable to stop watching it becomes compulsive and also they're unable to have real sexual experiences that are enjoyable or pleasurable because it's not like it is in porn.
0: I have to say, what surprised me most, having already read the article that you've got coming out this weekend, is one of the experts you spoke to said that porn has become completely Mm normalised. And it's not even a discussion almost that, that men might just put porn on in the bedroom with a woman there. And she's expected to accept that, and it's it's not talked about, which I was really surprised about. There's supposed to be no shame in it. They're
1: very honest and open about you know porn use. sex positive,
0: I think's the term. Mm. And you know, if you're not on board with it, you're the one with the problem
1: exactly and the therapist that i think you're speaking about mentioned to me this this idea that it's being kind of positioned as a sexual empowerment tool that Mm. especially for women that you know if you are confident in your sexuality you own your sexuality and you know you're ready to go at all times then you watch porn and if you don't then it's assumed that That you're you're a bit of a prude and and... and also that you're somehow repressed and that you're you're not empowered and and you're not a kind of like womanly woman who knows about her sex drive and knows what she wants and that's what's seen as sexy and also in a strange way sort of oddly feminist
0: Yeah and I, I suppose it, the, the weird thing about that is that when you look at the content mm. that uh, there's nothing empowering about it in fact it's the reverse uh, you know a lot of the scenarios involve dominating women that that the, they aren't necessarily a seemingly consensual partner. Uh, There's something quite sinister about it.
1: Absolutely. And also the fact that, you know, some of the behaviours you see while a woman, for instance, may be having sex with a man and will be touched in ways that I assume would hurt or, you know, kind of thrown about in ways that I assume would hurt and are nothing really like most people's experiences of a sort of loving relationship.
0: But isn't it just, okay, so again, counterpoint, not necessarily my point of view, isn't it just fantasy?
1: Let's be frank. Most people who are watching porn are also engaging in, shall we say, self-pleasure. Um <laughs>
0: Um, all right, Mary Whitehouse.
1: <laughs> when you do that, it, the reward response in the brain is huge. Right. It's one of the most powerful reward responses you could ever possibly get. And so, what's going on there is that you're making the link between something that's really, really positive and rewarding and great and an image of a woman being aggressively shoved and pulled and all sorts of things done to her that are, you know, clearly not positive. So, that's what worries me. What, what kind of picture does that set up in a person's head?
0: Yes, so you're saying it's it's not just fantasy, that there are real-life physiological reactions to these kinds of things, that by watching porn you are psychologically and and neurologically altering yourself.
1: Absolutely. And it's also an over exaggeration of a situation that's very important in people's real lives.
0: Well, let's hear from someone who is experienced firsthand the impact that watching porn can have.
1: On the line now is Crystal Coppers, who began watching pornography aged 14 and pretty soon developed a dependency on it. Crystal, tell us, how did you get into watching these kind of videos? What was it that led you to develop this kind of appetite for it?
2: I really think it was since I got access to the internet and there wasn't really no supervision. Uh, nobody was checking what I was doing or looking up. So when I, I think at school, like I heard about pornography and things like that and I was, uh,
1: I, I started looking it for, for it myself, just really out of curiosity. How old are you now, Crystal? Right now, I'm 29. And so at what point did the porn watching become a problem, would you say? I would say already from age 14, uh,
2: starting in my uh, uh, young teen. I would say I was never an addict to it, but I really noticed that I would watch it at least once a week. And it really started changing the way I view love and sex and everything. And I think that was
1: uh, where it started to become a problem. Mm. And that's what's interesting. So when was it and and at what point was it that you thought, ah, this is a problem and this is because I'm watching too much porn? Was it it while you were with a partner or something like that?
2: Yeah, that's a very good question. I actually uh, never thought it was a problem during those uh, years. It was really when I decided to do a challenge called NoFap to quit pornography was when I really realized how much of a problem it actually uh, is. So in the moment, during uh, uh, me watching it and engaging in it, I never thought it was a problem.
0: So, so uh, Crystal, what attracted you to doing that challenge? Why did you feel you needed to change your behavior?
2: Um, that's also a very good question. I have a YouTube channel and I share all kinds of uh, lifestyle things and I uh, challenge myself to many things. And I really looked at NoFap as another challenge even though i saw many men doing this and not no women at all actually on the internet were talking about this so i thought why not try it as well i was curious about it and i felt optimistic i could uh, could do it but while doing that nofap challenge i started to learn more about the behavioral changes that come with uh, watching pornography and what it does to your brain and the way you think and that's when i really realized wow this is more of a problem to us than it actually, that we actually think.
0: You seem very open about all of this. Is it common among your friends to watch adult content, pornography?
2: I do think it's common, but nobody really talks about it. So I wouldn't talk with my uh, girlfriends about it or any colleagues or anything. It's never a topic of discussion. Nobody talks about it, but behind closed doors, I assume everybody is doing it and think it's really normal.
1: Do you know that any of your friends are doing it? Have you, I wonder if since you've done this challenge, have you had conversations with your friends where they've said, oh, I've I watched it as well? Yeah,
2: exactly. Since I started doing this challenge and become more open about it, I would have more talks about it because I would start to say like, hey, I'm doing this challenge or they would see my videos and have questions about it. And they all start to confess that they do watch pornography and how much they watch it and that they want to make a change too. But it's very difficult. That's when really the, the conversation about it started.
0: And you mentioned changes in the brain caused by watching pornography. And how did you experience that? What kind of things did you notice that were negative that you linked to watching porn?
2: Yeah, I really think that it really shapes your the way you think about love, sex and relationships. Most of all, porn, we don't see it that way right away, but porn is fake. It's just like like a movie. But why would we think it is harmful? Because we think it's like fiction, but it's not just entertainment because people watch pornography also to learn from it. And I always use this this quote that I've heard also on the internet uh, because learning how to derive from the fast and the furious is not really a good idea because it can be very dangerous. So it is the same uh, as pornography. If you watch pornography, you're not just watching it for entertainment, you're watching it because you want to learn something. So it also changes our expectations and our standards to really unrealistic ones and unfair ones because we ask ourselves, why doesn't our partner look or act like what we see on screen? And uh, we ask ourselves, why isn't it good enough? Because we see people with plastic surgery, makeup, and they're all looking perfect on camera. And we really set this unrealistic standard for sex and our partners too it also creates this instant novelty so you want to keep on watching more extreme and shocking things and you really end up somewhere with really different sexual preferences and orientations than you actually naturally had
0: could you elaborate on that from your own personal experience what kind of extreme things were you watching
2: I think I never really got to any really extreme things, depending on the spectrum that we we're talking about. But I, I think it started out pretty pretty normal, just watching two people doing the act. But uh, eventually I looked for more extreme things, as in uh, men performing more violent acts. On women, being more disrespectful to them, uh, really uh, using them as sexual objects and not a a subject, someone who has their own desires and and feels things. So I started to gear more towards that type of content.
0: How did it affect your real-life relationships?
2: Yeah, that's that's a good question too. It really did affect my real-life relationships because I I was also setting these unrealistic standards and uh, expectations for myself. I would never seek out these acts, but if it wasn't like what I saw on the screen, I would think this isn't what it's supposed to be like. This isn't good enough. And I was always kind of disappointed and unsatisfied.
0: Something that some researchers say is that people who watch a lot of porn find that they can only feel turned on when they're with a real person by imagining things they've seen in porn. Is that something you relate to?
2: Yes, exactly. I I used to experience that as well. It's like you're inviting strangers into your bedroom when you're together with your partner. And it's super unfair. It's like you're cheating while you're having sex with your partner. So you're thinking about someone else or something else that you've seen on a screen, uh, because that's where your arousal is stemming from. You have actually lost the arousal for your partner if yeah, nothing is satisfying you in, in real life. So you're thinking about other people, other situations, while you're actually needing to be present with your partner. It's so unfair for them as well.
0: Just to play the counterpoint here, millions and millions and billions of people watch pornography. These websites are the most looked at websites in the world. Can it really possibly be doing all these people harm, do you think?
2: I absolutely do think so yes yes because in general it's just really changing the way people think about love and sex there's only two places that we basically get sexual education from nowadays maybe at school but mostly from pornography and there's never really a middle path many people are very afraid to ask their parents about that or it's kind of awkward to ask their parents about it. So where do they go towards pornography? And over the years, pornography has just gotten more violent and more disturbing because that's what people are asking for and looking for. And there's so there are little to no regulations when it comes to creating pornography. Also, for example, when it comes to human trafficking and everything, they're also involved with that. So we are watching all of this, and it really... Soaks into our consciousness, and we start to behave differently, think differently, with all the repercussions uh, that come with that.
1: Crystal you say there's no middle ground but I'm sure there's a lot of people who learn about sex from television shows and there is quite a lot at the moment that's kind of trying to be a lot more realistic when it comes to those intimate scenes. I can think of Normal People the very popular BBC drama that had some sex scenes that were supposedly incredibly lifelike. Do you think that that kind of content is also damaging?
2: I uh, would think so, yes. For my personal opinion, yes. I do think it's a lot better. Uh, It's an improvement, but I don't think we should, because it, 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 it stimulates us. Of course, we are human beings and sexuality is a huge part of us that we need to explore. But if we get so many input from TV shows or other people, their opinions about it, or they show us visuals, we let our arousal stem from that we we kind of sh- change our own preferences through watching something like that and i think that that's you should be really watching it with a conscious mind if you're ever engaging in that and really examine your 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 thoughts about it what it is actually doing to you is it changing you or are you still having your own preferences about it so i i do think in many ways it still can be changing our minds it can still be damaging to us so if you're watching that type of content, you should
1: do it really consciously
2: mm.
1: well crystal we really appreciate you being so open and honest with us um this afternoon so thank you so much and um yeah really grateful for your time
2: thank you very much you're very welcome and thank you uh, all also for your for your time and uh, uh yeah sharing this with the world of course
0: i know as you mentioned normal people Eve, you quite enjoyed that, didn't you? As I (laughs) remember. Yeah, it was a very good show. Didn't you make your husband buy a chain? I
1: didn't make him buy a chain. He um, found a chain that I had in my drawer and put it on to amuse me.
0: Did it amuse you?
1: No, I was worried about my chain is next too big.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, so you would see a difference between something that was integral for the plot of a, a film there could be an explicit sex scene in in a in a film. You you wouldn't have a problem with. That. Oh, I
1: think it's a bit like saying, I think we have to kind of accept some level of sexual content in daily life. Well,
0: next on the line, you've got a sex researcher who studies pornography. Mm-hmm of all things. She's going to give us some insight into some of the harms that, that she's linking to to this increase in women watching porn.
1: Yes, joining us now is Professor Jennifer Johnson, who is Chair of Sociology at Virginia Commonwealth University. Professor Johnson, we know that pornography is increasingly violent and aggressive towards women. And this is something that you've looked at in your own research. Why do you think that so many women are seeking it out?
3: Well, it's so easy to seek out and, in fact, don't even have to seek it out these days that technology has transformed the landscape of pornography, that it is no longer hidden behind closed doors or hidden behind, you know, the clerks at your local convenience store, that, in fact, pornography comes directly to your email, your social media, your DMs, and that there's incredible pressure on young people, particularly young girls, to be sexy and sexual, that this is Something that is now somewhat panopticon in girls' life all over girls' social media is a pressure to be attractive or sexual. And pornography is a very easy tool, easy accessible tool to learn how to be sexy and sexual. And this is particularly problematic for girls because it's coupled with very restrictive and limited sex education in schools.
1: And so the more kind of extreme end of things, do you think that women are enjoying watching other women be choked and strangled and that kind of thing? Or are they kind of led to it by men?
3: My research shows that while women will watch pornography periodically, they certainly do not watch it at the level or the extent of men by far. And that when they do, it's oftentimes at the behest of men, and that while they describe enjoyment of some of the more relational-based acts that they may see, the softer acts, the more extreme, degrading acts, women do not enjoy those acts for the most part. And my research shows men continue to like the continuum of acts depicted in pornography, but women do not.
0: What does your research say the negative consequences on a woman's health are?
3: So they tend to be the exact same as men when they are watching it to the extent that men are. And that means that they become more reliant on pornography for... Sexual stimulation, they come to prefer watching pornography over intimate relationships. It has a negative impact on their sense of self confidence and body image, which is, of course, contradictory to the argument, the kind of liberation argument. And it has a negative impact on their interpersonal relationships. But this is all, it is not about just watching or not watching. The critical issue is frequency and length of time. So just coming in contact with pornography once a year is not going to show deleterious effects. But watching it in a habitual way, weekly or even monthly, we do start seeing some negative impacts that are very similar to the negative impacts that we see on men.
1: Why is it that men like watching those kinds of videos where women are submissive, perhaps they're pushed and shoved around a bit and, you know, the subject of an aggressive act I'm not so sure if men, how many men
3: like that per se. I think that men are told that uh, that fits a kind of sense of hegemonic masculinity. It is the dominant form of pornography that is most easily available on websites such as Pornhub. And that is for a lot of kind of technological reasons. I think that, uh, While men say they like these acts, we still see that watching pornography produces negative impacts on men. So what they say they like and how it then plays out and impacts in their interpersonal and sense of self oftentimes are two different things. And we can't forget that watching pornography for men is oftentimes a collective experience as well as a individual experience. So not only will they watch it for self-gratification, but there's also a collective experience among men, right? The way in which it plays out in terms of men's relationships with other men as a display of masculinity, as a kind of cultural phenomenon.
1: So they feel that it makes them more manly if they can say that they've been watching porn. Well, I think it is a way of participating
3: in hegemonic masculinity as a way of demonstrating to other men their willingness to participate in those communities, right, among men. So it's a display of masculinity to other men.
0: I mean, I don't know if it's the same in the States, but we have a growing problem of young people making videos of each other. And there's a whole thing about revenge porn as well, that people make these these home movies and then the guy will post the pictures to all his friends. And it seems like the vortex is kind of slowly sucking more and more people into this kind of pornographic universe.
3: Yes. The idea that we can somehow... Stop the pornification of young people 's lives is probably not a reality that that toothpaste is already out of the tube right that technology has made it such that pornography the pornography industry has very easy access. To children, you know, really starting at age nine. As soon as they start coming in contact with the internet, the pornography industry and the the pornography vortex, as you called it, has access to our children. I think what we need is a much stronger uh, counter narrative among adults, among sex education, among popular culture that presents a stronger understanding of what sexual health is, what does healthy sexuality look like, what does empowered sexuality look like that is not mediated by technology or capitalism, but is rooted in our own sense of healthy bodies, healthy outcomes, healthy relationships. It is why I focus on a public health model outside of a a kind of empowerment model is that when you think about it as a health issue, a sexual health issue, a public health issue the the politics of it becomes secondary to the larger question of what is the impact of the pornification of our children's identities, our children's relationships on their ability to sustain healthy relationships, their ability to understand consent and sexual limitations. And their understanding of sexually transmitted diseases. And to me, when pornography and the pornographication or the pornography industry has access to our children starting very, very young, we need to start sexual health literacy much younger. So, in that way, We are remiss as a culture and as a government in not addressing the reality of pornography and the reality of the pornification of our children's lives in sexual health literacy.
0: That speaks to a solution in terms of the next generation. But, you know, we've got a generation going into middle age now who've been exposed to porn, not at the same scales as now with social media. But what's the solution for older people who, who may have been exposed to, to material like this for so many years and the, the, living with the, with the damage that you see?
3: I think there's only one solution that is even remotely possible. And that is uh, a kind of an open conversation among people about pornography and the reality of pornography in their lives. You're seeing that in some pockets on the internet where men are starting to, particularly men, because even though we want this to be a problem that both men and women face, in reality, pornography and the, the consumption of pornography is A habit of men. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't impact women's lives. It has a tremendous impact on women's lives. And you're starting to see men have conversations about asking the critical question Has this made my life better? You know, has it made my relationships better? And I think many, many men are now saying, No, it has not. Um, And again, this is about opening space up for a counter narrative to the idea that pornography is cool and hip and sexy and empowering and to open up a critique of it that is not based on the concept of morality that is not based on the concept of freedom of speech that is not based on the on a kind of religious principles but is based on has this produced healthier relationships for me how do I think about myself as a pornography consumer? And I would say that there's not been space for men to really problematize pornography in their lives, that they have the cultural narrative that pornography is cool and that pornography is a core part of masculinity has had a silencing effect on men.
0: Because of course, anyone speaking out about this gets accused of, of prudishness.
3: Correct. Correct. And that is the old-school narrative that controlled the language of pornography. Either you were totally in love with it, it was totally great, or if you didn't, you were a prude, or what is now called sex-negative feminists. And for me personally, as a long-term feminist, that those conversations, I think technology has rendered them dead, basically. Pornography is now a part of our dominant culture, and we need to confront it as a question of health, sexual health, public health, relational health, in all its complexities. And that old, tired trope of, if you criticize pornography, you are either hyper-religious, right-wing, prude, or if you have to be in love with all things that pornography has to offer. We have to move beyond that binary and that dichotomy. It is not doing ourselves or our children any favors.
1: Fascinating. Professor Johnson, thank you so much for sparing some time to talk to us today. It's been absolutely enlightening speaking to Thanks you. Thanks so
3: much. You are very welcome.
0: So I got to thinking it made it reminded me of of the situation with uh, criticism i suppose mm. that, that got leveled at sex and the city mm. that in the 90s when it came out it was it was quite a breakthrough show that that it showed this group of women who were in their 30s mm. who were single and very sexually liberated And were very open about, you know, going out dating guys. People didn't talk about sex in that way. Mm. They were women in control of their sexuality and they got what they want when they wanted it and they discarded what they didn't want. And they
1: discussed it with each other in cafes around and new york i
0: noticed people started doing that people started talking very openly about sex people started discussing mm. it but another thing that that happened in that show was that they were always at cocktail bars as well mm-hmm. they were always drinking hard liquor or at a nightclub called bed and you know but they were drinking straight up marty like vodka manhattans cosmopolitans uh, Cosmopolitans. but i mean they were always drinking and it very much normalized that for women it was Mm. it was it was around that time that that a lot of women that i know started drinking heavily and only many years later looking back identified themselves to have i mean basically developed an alcohol problem Mm. and not you know it wasn't I became an alcoholic because of Sex and the City. But it's not far off. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because the outrage
1: isn't levelled at that element of the show. It's always looked at, you know, for the sex and this, this kind of really confident sexual energy that, exudes from it and the fact that women are talking about it all the time and and that scene had been seen as something that was perhaps negative whereas no one had really looked at the drinking and the supposed glamorization of
0: of alcohol what reminded me of of all this was the idea that it was sold as this coolness it was sold as this liberation of women Mm. when in fact it was the opposite you know i mean were they were they sponsored by booze companies i wonder
1: Perhaps I don't know. It's interesting, isn't it? Because when it's sort of coloured pink and has a pretty cherry on top, it's not seen as the same sort of in as, the same as way 50% as fifty percent alcohol vodka. As a, yeah, yeah, as a kind of you know, if you were to have a glass next to it that was just the spirit, uh, you'd probably see it slightly differently.
0: I said this to Professor Johnson. You know, anyone saying the kinds of things that we're saying in, in this show, warning about perhaps potential dangers of pornography, will instantly be accused of slut-shaming or, to use the cool term, yeah. or being sex And... I think it is a it's a line that you you'd need to tread, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just ridiculous we have to be able to have honest conversations about these things.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And the flip side of that is that there's a long historical context to this. And you know, when I mean, we don't want to return to the 1950s where the idea of wearing a skirt above the knee was sh- appalling and shocking and that that's the opposite end of the spectrum, isn't mm-hmm. it? And equally, there perhaps is something to learn from the radical feminists of the 70s and early 80s mm. who warned that, that pornography was, went hand in hand with a, a, an element of sexual violence towards women.
1: Mm. And I think that there is a difference between accepting that women can be sexual in their lives, you know, and it's important for women to feel that they can be their true sexual self, but it doesn't mean that the subtotal of their worth is their sexuality and how they are sexually. Those are two very different things. It's a part of who a person is, but it's not their whole worth and their whole value. And I think that we're moving too far towards this idea that a woman really is only about how sexually desirable she is.
0: Mm. And maybe, you know, maybe you would never need to ban porn, which is the the ultimate extreme in this, isn't it? You know, ban yeah. porn. Maybe you, would, you wouldn't need to do such a thing in the same way that you have a culture of people uh, wanting to eat very well and mm. choose organic food and five a day, nine a day, whatever it is. I'm talking about vegetables mm-hmm. and fruit, mm-hmm. nothing else that perhaps people would simply choose not to consume porn because they would see it as something that they wasn't necessarily enhancing their lives in any way.
1: I have these kind of debates with people when I'm talking about body positivity and um, accepting uh, bodies of all shapes and sizes and that kind of thing. And Mm. there's always a conversation to be had about, well, why can't you just think that everybody is beautiful and think that very, very obese people see those bodies in the same way that you see somebody who's very slim well I think there's some sort of like ideal world stuff going on like in an ideal world it would be great if there was no porn and no one was watching this kind of things but we're not in an ideal world and that's just unrealistic
0: Well, that's all we've got time for this week. You can read Eve's full report in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday, along with all the latest health news. Uh, You can consume that in newspaper form on the Mail app or on mailplus.co.uk.
1: We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then.
0: Goodbye.